Here they come. Right now, they're gathering from hospitals all across America for Talk 10 Tuesday. They know there's important news and information just ahead. Don't miss out. Come in, sit down, and log on. It's Talk 10 Tuesday. Here now is the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, Chuck Buck. Thank you, Clark Anthony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 426 Live Edition of Talk 10 Tuesday and brought to you today by ICD University. And joining me this morning as my co-host is the founder of the National Alliance of Medical Auditing Specialists. We know them as NamUs, and of course, that would be Shannon DeCondas. Shannon is sitting in this morning for Dr. Eric Reamer, who's taking a well-deserved vacation, and good morning, Shannon. Thanks, Chuck. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for letting me be here. Folks, my good friend Shannon DeConde is one of those super women. She founded NamUs, and she's a partner in doctor's management. She also conducts an outstanding auditing boot camp every year. And last year, we did our live broadcast from the NamUs boot camp in Clearwater, Florida. Thanks, Shannon. It was really interesting uh, experience for all of us. Shannon was on Talk to Tuesday last Tuesday, as you recall. She was reporting on the 2021 E&M code changes. Big changes are coming, are they not? Yes, they are, Chuck, but what an amazing time in our industry. We have and still are living through a pandemic that has impacted all of us personally and professionally, and now we have to gear up for the first changes to impact documentation guidelines in the office in over 25 years. Many say, geez, I wish I could retire. For me, I say, bring it on. This is such an exciting time with something new around each and every turn. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to be on the broadcast more frequently through the end of 2020 to help provide more educational spotlights and challenges regarding what's coming. Shannon, we look forward to having you on the broadcast as you can continue to report on the 2021 E&M code changes. And Shannon's going to be talking about that later in the broadcast, too, with our point of view. And speaking of codes, Lori Johnson will have the Talk 10 Tuesday coding report. And don't forget, Stanley Natchemson returns for his popular Reg Watch report. Who can forget Stanley? He's unforgettable. And, of course, later in the broadcast, someone else who was unforgettable, that's Dr. H. Stephen Moffick. He's going to join us to report on burnout, not burnout among physicians, as we usually report, but burnout among frontline nurses. We have much news to report, and we begin this morning with Tim Powell, who's at the Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk. To celebrate Ipsapalooza, ICD-10 Monitor and Talk 10 Tuesday are giving away a one-month free subscription to ICD-10 Monitor's educational webcast portal. That's unlimited ICD-10 Monitor webcast for one month for one lucky individual. Enter to win before August 10th, when it will be announced August 11th during Talk 10 Tuesday. Enter now. Here now is Tim Powell. Thanks, Chuck. And we all want to be the hero. And Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida was no exception when advocating letting patients' families have the ability to visit their loved ones in skilled nursing and assisted living facilities. After talking to physicians at a hospital in Orlando last week, he said there are rapid tests that can make sure visitors that are not infected can safely visit their loved ones. Quote, it'll be a 15-minute test. If you have the ability to do that, then I think we need to start talking about visitation again, DeSantis said. I really, really worry about the toll that the isolation has had on people in long-term care facilities, close quote. Here's the problem. The nursing homes don't have these tests. They can't organize themselves to get and process the tests, and it's, ex- and it's an expense the industry simply can't afford. According to data given to Axios, in-network lab tests, which cover 89% of coronavirus tests, cost $163.91 per test on average. 
Most skilled nursing homes and assisted living facilities provide literal no insurance to their staff. The question here is, how much will these rapid result tests cost, and who's paying for them? The state of Florida has a long and bad reputation in managing the impact of disasters on nursing homes and assisted living facilities. I walk by a nursing home every day where patients died of heat stroke following Hurricane Irma. Nursing homes are losing money. They run on painfully tight budgets. We should have these rapid tests for all nursing home staff and visitors, but it will require state or national governments to distribute, collect, and process them. Let's be real heroes today and protect our elderly by getting the testing in place to protect them. And with that, back to you, Chuck. Thanks, Tim, very much. That was Tim Powell. Tim is a compliance expert and an ICD-10 monitored national correspondent. It's Tuesday, August 4th, and you're listening to the 426th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. Stand by. Buried in the thousands of pages of the 2021 IPPS Final Rule are details that are critical to your organization's financial health. Register now for a three-part series on the many changes to the ICD-10 CMPCS code sets and updates to guidelines, designations, and methodology. With so much to digest, you'll appreciate the guidance, instruction, and insights provided by nationally renowned ICD-10 coding expert Lori Johnson during this upcoming webcast series. Count on Lori to help you master crucial details in the final rule, including new concepts, codes, designations, and MSDRG changes. Make sure you and your team are ready and confident on October 1st. Register now to attend 2021 IPPS Final Rule Webcast Series, three programs to improve your performance. Part 1 begins Tuesday, August 18th. Register now. Here now with the Talk 10 Tuesday Coding Report is Lori Johnson, and good morning, Lori. Good morning, Chuck, and good morning, Shannon, and hello to our listeners. This morning, I'm calling my topic, topic Christmas in July. There were new PCS codes that were released late last week, and the effective date is 8-1-20. The codes are considered part of version 37.2 of the DRG methodology. There are 12 procedure codes, and they are related to COVID. The good news is that these procedure codes are not designated as DRG operating room procedures, so they do not affect MSDRG assignment. They can all be found in the new technology section in anatomic region body system of ICD-10 PCS. Six new procedure codes incorporate three new substances related to treating COVID-19. Remdesivir anti-infective, Theralumab, and Tocilizumab. Um, there have been studies regarding remdesivir's effectiveness in treating COVID-19. The early results show that this drug has shortened the, the patient's recovery time. Theralumab is known as Kevzera and is used to treat rheumatoid arthritis. The clinical Trials related to this drug have been stopped due to disappointing results. Tocilizumab is another drug that is used to treat rheumatoid arthritis as well as cytokine release syndrome. The initial results of the clinical trials are promising in reducing the risk of invasive mechanical ventilation for patients who have pneumonia with COVID-19. An approach for these substances is percutaneous and includes body parts of central and peripheral veins. 
The root operation is introduction, and the qualifier is new technology group five, which indicates it's part of fiscal year 20. Two new codes are for transfusion of convalescent plasma non-autologous. This substance is found in patients who have recovered from COVID-19 and has antibodies for the disease. The plasma is separated from the blood from a recovered patient who has not had any COVID-19 symptoms for at least 14 days. The convalescent convalescent plasma is intransfused um, into a COVID-19 patient. This treatment is still clinical trials without poster results. The, The new codes use root operation transfusion in the new technology section. The approach is percutaneous with body parts of central and peripheral vein. The qualifier, again, is new technology group five. Another new development in this release of new codes is the creation of codes for the substance of other new technology therapeutic substance. It is thought that this new substance alternative could be used for new substances that don't have an appropriate alternative. These approaches, the approaches include percutaneous and external, and the body parts are central vein, peripheral vein, mouth and pharynx, and subcutaneous tissue. The qualifier is new technology group five. These new codes are effective 8-1-2020, but the encoder companies are busy trying to update the encoder software. While you are waiting for the update, please prepare for these new codes And here's some action items. Does your facility use any of these new substances? Do you have other ways to identify patients that are given these substances? Remember that the substances should have a HCPCS code to capture the charges. Will anyone use the data if you take the time to code it? Determine how much you want to use or how you're going to use the other new technology therapeutic substance code and provide the instructions to the encoder so it's used consistently. Add any information to your new version of the facility-specific coding guidelines because you're not going to remember when the guidelines change. This late release of new procedure code is unprecedented, but we are not usually in a pandemic. Take time to determine how much you want the information to be used Involve other people at your facility before you make decisions on how to utilize these new codes. Remember that new codes do not affect the MSDRG assignment, so there is no rush. So, Shannon, I guess we had our Christmas in July, and the gift was the new PCS codes. Back to you. Thanks, Lori, and thank you for making it through all those tough words to give us that breaking news update. That was Lori Johnson, and Lori is a senior healthcare consultant with Revenue Cycle Solutions, LLC. Now's the time for Reg Watch, featuring nationally recognized healthcare technology consultant Stanley Nockison. And good morning, Stanley. A lot of news, obviously, coming out of Washington. What do we really need to know? Good morning, Chuck, to our panel and listeners. Well, it's now August, so we'll be seeing the annual Medicare rules for the fiscal year payments beginning October 1st. CMS has just issued the rules for inpatient psychiatric facilities, skilled nursing facilities, and hospices. We are, of course, awaiting the final rule on the inpatient hospital payments. Now, I want to remind folks that these are final rules, so they will be going into effect on October 1st. For inpatient psychiatric facilities, 
this prospective payment system applies to around 1,550 facilities across the country. For fiscal year 2021, CMS has estimated that the total payments to these facilities will increase by about 2.3%. This is as a result of increases in the market basket, which is used to update rates. CMS is also updating the geographic delineations that are used to adjust these payments. They're changing uh, metropolitan statistical area definitions, micropolitan statistical areas, and combined statistical areas. This will allow the wage index values to be more representative of actual labor costs in a given area. But CMS is making sure that any decline in a provider's wage index value from its fiscal year 2020 value, regarding, regardless of the circumstances causing the decline, will be capped at a 5% decrease for fiscal year 2021. And finally, for these facilities, CMS is allowing advanced practice providers, including physician assistants, nurse practitioners, psychologists, and clinical nurse specialists to operate within the scope of practice allowed by state law by documenting progress notes in the medical record of patients for whom they are responsible who are receiving services in psychiatric hospitals. This aligns the rules for IPFs with hospitals. As for SNFs, Medicare payments are expected to increase by 2.2% due to the market basket increased. CMS is also adopting the same revised geographic area delineations and a 5% cap on provider rate reductions. CMS has considered stakeholder recommendations and is finalizing changes to the ICD-10 code mappings for the SNF case mix payment groupings. These changes will continue to be made each year based on stakeholder recommendations. Fiscal year 2021 hospice payments will rise 2.4% based on the market basket increase. However, hospices that fail to meet quality reporting requirements will receive a two percentage point reduction to the annual market basket percentage increase for the year. So these are final rules which we know will be in effect for payments beginning October 1st or for services beginning October 1st. Now yesterday, CMS issued the proposed rule uh, for physician fee schedule changes. These are the changes that will be in effect uh, for uh, the physician fee schedule and other Medicare Part B issues on or after January 1st, 2021. I want to remind our listeners that this is a proposed rule where you have the ability to send comments into CMS for them to consider. So I highly recommend that you review this proposed rule. I'll give you some of the highlights, but take a look at it and see what you agree with, what you don't agree with, and let CMS know what your feelings on this rule are. For calendar year 2021 in the rule, CMS is proposing to add a large list of services to the Medicare telehealth list. These are services that will continue to be paid after the public health emergency ends. Some of them are visit complexity associated with certain office or outpatient E&Ms, group psychotherapy, um, and care planning for patients with cognitive impairments. Uh, There are a number of others that are on the list also. They're also proposing to add a list of services to the Medicare telehealth list that will be in effect only during the public health uh, emergency. These include some things such as domiciliary, rest home or custodial care services, uh, home visits, uh, and emergency department visits. Again, a whole list. And they specifically say that they are soliciting comments on services added to the Medicare telehealth list uh, for during the 
P-H-E, so that CMS is not proposing to add to the permanent te telehealth list. So again, we are, we are looking for comments for, uh, for this, and please uh, send in your comments. CMS is also clarifying that licensed clinical social workers, clinical psychologists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech-language pathologists can furnish brief online assessments and management services, as well as virtual check-ins and remote evaluation services. To facilitate billing by these practitioners, uh, HCFIX codes, um, GPS, uh, excuse me, G2010 and G2012 um, they're proposing to use these two new HCPCS G codes. There are other items such as direct supervision by interactive telecommunications technology for the duration of the public health emergency. Uh, they're adopting an interim final policy revising the definition of direct supervision to include virtual presence of a supervising physician or practitioner. Uh, there are uh, aligning E&M visit coding and documentation with uh, changes laid out by the CPT editorial panel for office uh, and outpatient E&M visits beginning January 1st, 2021. They're proposing to revalue some code sets uh, that rely on these uh, office and outpatient E&M visits, and they are soliciting public comments regarding how we might clarify the definition of HCPCS add-on codes, GPC-1X, previously finalized for the Office of Outpatient EM Visit Code complexity. They also are proposing to make permanent policies uh, that allow nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, physician assistants, and certified nurse midwives to supervise the performance of diagnostic texts in addition to physicians. They are uh, reiterating the clarification that pharmacists fall within the regulatory definition of auxiliary personnel under Incident 2 regulations. Uh, they're proposing to make permanent the Part B policy for maintenance therapy services uh, that grant a physical therapist and occupational therapist the discretion to delegate the performance of maintenance therapy services to a therapy assistant. Uh, they're finalizing broad modifications to medical record documentation requirements for physicians and certain nurse practitioners uh, and adjusting some of the payments for the services of teaching physicians. Those are just some of the changes that are in this rule. So I recommend that everybody take a look at it and please send your comments into CMS. Shannon, back to you. Thank you, Stanley. Sounds like we have a lot of reading to do. That was Healthcare IT Authority, Stanley Natchemson. Stanley is the founder of Natchemson Advisors, LLC. Chuck? Thanks, Shannon, very much. And Stanley, thanks for a very comprehensive report. Up next, one of America's most renowned psychiatrists, Dr. H. Stephen Moffick, reports on nurses burning out. You're listening to the 426 Live Edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. Stand by. For ICD-10-CM coders, the COVID-19 pandemic presents a host of possible patient care scenarios, leading to many questions and a great deal of confusion. The potential for mistakes is significant, especially in communities with exponential growth. Underreporting COVID-19 diagnoses translates to unrealized revenue, a serious issue at a time when margins are razor thin or underwater. Take control of your ICD-10-CM coding for COVID-19 cases with the help of our new at-a-glance flowcharts, developed in collaboration with physician and prominent ICD-10 coding expert, Dr. Eric Reamer. 
They're designed to provide quick guidance to accurate, compliant code assignments. And they're available now at the ICD University Bookstore. Nationally renowned psychiatrist Dr. H. Stephen Moffick joins us now to report on burnout among frontline nurses caring for hospitalized patients suffering from COVID-19. Too often we tend to focus on burnout among physicians, but nurses are burning out. Here now is Dr. Moffick. Morning, Chuck and everybody. You may know that the common nightingale is a bird best known for its powerful and beautiful song. Florence Nightingale, so well known in medicine, was the founder of modern nursing. She came to prominence in the 1800s, making nightly rounds as the lady with the lamp for wounded soldiers during the Crimean War. While modern nurses don't generally sing as they make rounds, taking care of patients, they bring melodies of comfort and skills to the medically ill. In our modern times, nurses are essential healthcare clinicians wherever medicine is practiced. In hospitals, they spend more time with patients than the patient's physician. Maybe that causes them to too often be taken for granted or even be scapegoats for systemic problems. Yet, since they work in the same systems that are burning out physicians at an epidemic rate, they are also at risk to burning out. Nurses have tended to call burning out moral injuries, which is so evocative of the psychological pain of having your healing abilities blocked by organizational restrictions on time and resources for patients. During the pandemic, nurses have seemed as prominent heroes as physicians on the news media, often emotionally conveying how rewarding it is to take care of those in the pandemic, but often dismayed by inadequate safety provisions, overloaded hospital wards, lack of therapeutic tools, and having to substitute for the family that can't visit. Even so, they come from all over the country to help out with the hot spots that needed more personnel. Yet, they are threatened by gag rules and potential job loss for speaking up. In addition, distressing anxiety, fear, sadness, poor sleep, suicidal ideation, and trauma are all common. Best way, though, to convey these challenges is to hear the words of two representative nurses. Here's the first. The nurse's husband woke her up the night she started screaming in her sleep. I was crying, she said. I can't remember what the dream was about, but it was so real. After months of working night shifts on the COVID-19 unit in Metro Detroit, this nurse said that the adrenaline of the initial surge faded. And while that's brought some relief, what's left is a new persistent sense of anxiety, irritability, and poor sleep. What if my husband died? What if my kids died? The second nurse conveyed this. The coronavirus patient, a 75-year-old man, was dying. No family member was allowed in the room with him, only this young nurse. In full protective gear, she dimmed the lights and put on quiet music. She refreshed his pillows stabbed his list with moistened swabs, held his hand, and spoke softly to him. Finally, she held an iPad close to him so he could see the face and hear the voice of the grief-stricken relative Skyping from the hospital corridor. After the man died, the nurse found a secluded hallway and wept. Florence Nightingale would have been proud of both, but without systemic change, they need ways to help themselves too. Here are a few. Find a battle, buddy. Find ways to relax, such as with deep breathing and walking meditation, even at work. Find ways to decompress at home, including singing your favorite songs. For the life they save may also be their own. Back to you, Chuck. 
Thanks, Dr. Moffat, very much. That was Dr. H. Stephen Moffat. Dr. Moffat is one of America's most renowned psychiatrists. And be sure to read my interview with Dr. Moffat. That's in today's edition of the ICD-10 Monitor News. You know, COVID-19 is a major disruptor and has probably diverted attention away from the 2021 E&M guideline changes. And that's why we asked Shannon DeConda this morning to bring the spotlight back on these changes that are going to be taking place in about four short months from now. So once again, here's Shannon. Thank you, Chuck. And thanks for allowing me to co-host with you today um, and have this segment to talk about E&M again. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am rather adverse to change typically. Even though I'm a very young 47, haha, I still take handwritten notes on conference calls. I use a handwritten to-do list, but at least I do use an electronic calendar. You see, these are optional changes that I have control over. I can choose to integrate my work world or not. The 2021 AMA ENM changes are not optional. They are required, they are mandated. And not adhering to these changes may reduce your reimbursement or cause clawbacks from the carriers upon audit review. As most things in life, there's a good side, there's a bad side, and this one even comes with an ugly point of view. I think for this segment, we'll start with the bad and the ugly and finish up with the good like any optimist would do. First, the bad. This is the bad communication of many in our industry because they are broadcasting the changes are focused on components that will no longer be scored as opposed to focusing on the overarching principle, medical necessity. The message should in turn say, stop creating erroneous documentation. Just document what was pertinent to you, the provider, during that encounter. If we continue to push forward the message that history and exam no longer matter, the ugly impact could be we start getting documentation lacking history and exam, which may diminish medical necessity. The ugly, there is a concern in the industry of coder fallout. A fallout occurs when there's an adverse result to a situation, right? So to quote the great Frank Cohen, currently there are approximately 1,500 decision points made when you pick an ENM encounter, requiring an expert, if you will, to appropriately append each code. With history and exam no longer components that require these decisions, a false sense of perception is beginning to surface that coders will no longer be in demand. Because let's face it, E&M codes make up almost half of those submitted, and of that half, about half of those are the code set being impacted. But those pushing this message are not considering the impact of change and the complexities that still exist in communi communicating the risk to each other, to each encounter, excuse me. Coders and auditors need to make themselves invaluable by having a handle on the changes and the communication skills to train providers. The good, as AMA modified the guidelines, they provided definitions to often deemed gray areas of E&M services. Admittedly, not all gray areas have been defined in black and white but we have more clarity than we have had in 25 years and more black and white that we can point our providers to as we do educate them on proper documentation and code selection. The challenge, start prepping now. 
Take one encounter a week and have your team code it using the 2021 AMA ENM guidelines. This small step will give your coders and providers a leg up throughout the course of the, of the last few months of 2020. You know, Chuck, I heard many folks say they would retire before I-10 rather than having to endure the pain of change. I've also heard some of them say that about ENM. But we made it through I-10, right? So I think we'll make it through this change as well. Thanks very much. That's going to be a wrap for our 426th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. I want to thank our panelists today. Lori Johnson, Tim Powell, Dr. H. Stephen Moffick, Stan Lou Knox, and of course, Shannon DeConda sitting in this morning with Dr. Erica Reamer. And before we go, remember you can listen to all the Talk 10 Tuesday podcasts anytime, anywhere, on any device, and it's absolutely free. Until next Tuesday, I'm Chuck Buck reporting for ICD-10 Monitor and Talk 10 Tuesday. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Talk 10 Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.